You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Are you a diehard comic book collector? Or maybe a lapsed fan? Maybe even someone who has never picked up a comic book in their life. Hi, I'm Remso Martinez. And I'm Mark Clare. Every single Wednesday at the Second Print Comics Podcast, Remzo and I take a deep dive into the storylines, character arcs, moments, and events that made us the fans we are today. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else podcasts are available. Check out more from the Second Print Comics Podcast at secondprintcomics.com. You're on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. All right, all right, all right. People call Chris Spangle the father of the We Are Libertarians network. But to those in the know, we call Chris Galt daddy. Um, <laughs> Galt, I, I have a policy on the show, and I'm two for two right now. It's, it call, it's a new segment I'm calling Remzo Fucked Up and He Was Late for Recording. I have to publicly apologize to all my guests when I postpone a recording by one minute or more. Um, and I have to publicly explain why, and usually it's to my own detriment. So, um, be- because I'm a pimp, I don't do certain things that most millennials would call normal or expedient or cost-effective. Uh, I tore every tendon in my ankle last week. Um, I told people it was from jujitsu, but honestly, it was right after jujitsu because I fell down walking upstairs. So that that was that. Then I also caught a cold. So this week has just been like a giant, like, dick punch on repeat. So I'm, I'm laying down in bed this morning. I took like four showers between like 2 a.m. and 9. And at that point, I'm just like, I, I feel like shit. Um, you know, I've been ordering out all week. I'm barely sleeping. My work efficiency has just been shit. So I call my fiance on the East Coast. And I'm like, hey, you have Instacart, right? And she's like, yeah, why don't you download it? I'm like, that's not the question. I need you to go ahead and order like a bunch of like sparkling water and Gatorade and ginger ale and shit for me. And she's like, okay, I could do it, but Saturday it's going to be, you know, extra expensive. And I'm like, I don't care. So a couple of Gatorades and some ginger ale turns into like $40. And she's like, you know, the time it took you to like send me your credit card information and do all this stuff, you could just download an Instacart. And I'm like, this is, this is why I'm marrying you because I, I don't want to. So <laughs> this next part ties directly into the episode topic and why I wanted to bring you on. So I text her back. I'm like, what's the ETA? And she's like, 1040. And I'm like, 1040? I could be fucking dead. <laughs> like, that's not cool. So there's a BP gas station literally within walking distance from my apartment. So I did the smart thing and I drove. And um, I shit you not, where I'm at outside of Milwaukee, like, it's pretty... Up- <laughs> I'm not editing that out. <laughs> like it's not, it's not like super suburban. I'm, I'm in a pretty, pretty nice business area in the suburbs, but this BP gas station, which usually looks like it gets robbed regularly. I'm, I'm checking out with some Gatorades and stuff to tie me over for my $40 Gatorades to show up and stuff like that. And I look behind me and I see a Bitcoin ATM. So I'm thinking about it. I'm like, this morning was the perfect exercise in free market capitalism and lazy motherfuckers like me getting what they want. I had my woman literally download an app that could have taken me two seconds to order me shit that somebody else is going to go grab and deliver to me from across the country. And then I went to a gas station where literally, if you're buying a sandwich from BP, you have made terrible life choices, but you can also buy Bitcoin. I mean, this is a beautiful time to be alive. And the reason why I wanted to have you on today talk about this is the the trajectory of Bitcoin. I'll talk crypto as a whole because I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. You know, I remember when it was first starting out, people dismissed it. Then they couldn't dismiss it anymore. Then they went ahead and said it was a scam and they laughed at it. And then they couldn't laugh at it anymore. Then they wanted to go ahead and regulate it. And everyone was like, come on, bring it on. We'll fight you. And now they're at the point where they're trying to label it as unethical because it takes up too much electricity. 
because only 2% of Americans hold any Bitcoin at all, because it's leaving out old people and poor people, because of the charges and everything else like that, because they don't have the same access. And I, I don't know how they could say that. Anyone could download Robinhood and shit. You have the same access to securities and stuff like that. By the way, if you want some free stock or some free Bitcoin, go check the show notes. I'm a man of the people. But with all that to say, it's a beautiful time to be alive. I I doubted Bitcoin for a while. I, I sold my entire wallet in 2018 because my problem was I didn't feel like Bitcoin adaption was hitting the public market. And that was my big thing. It's like, if I can't go buy Coke with it, it's going to be useless. But now we're at the point where it's like post-pandemic and everything else, people are actually starting to see this is safe, it's secure, and it's real. Mm-hmm. As somebody that's been into this obviously longer than I have, and from what I've been able to see, you've been longer into this longer than most people, how do you feel about the state of Bitcoin right now? You know, uh, currently more than 2.5 billion people worldwide don't have a bank account. They don't have any kind of accounts with any formal financial institutions. And, and, and 1.5 billion people don't even have an ID to prove who they are in the world. But blockchain and where it's at right now is, is that trust network. It's that it's, it's, it fills those gaps where people don't have those those type of identifications and those types of things right now it like if if you put your money in a bank account what the what the bank gives you is a a promise note an iou uh it doesn't guarantee that you'll get your money when you need it um it's actually if you remember what happened in greece in 2015 uh the, the the banks limited the money the amount of money you could withdraw from an atm they said if you you can get up to seventy dollars, and that's it. If you want to get seventy five bucks, you're denied. That 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 broke the trust with the banks. People couldn't get their money. That's what block blockchain blockchain technology solves this problem. It, it creates a ledger of public, verifiable, immutable ledger that we can trust doing business with people that we don't trust. That's one of the major problems of a free market, right? Is people taking advantage of you because you don't have any kind of protections. Uh, that's why it's a, it's it's really beautiful uh, for a libertarian uh, to to see an unregulated market like this. There's risk involved, of course, but with with a, with a public public information, a public you can. It, what did Ronald Reagan say? Trust but verify, right? That's what blockchain lets you do. Blockchain lets you verify. So you can do anything that you would do in regular society, but you, you, with a bank, you have to trust that the bank will let you get your money later, that you have to trust that institution, that they're, they're uh, moral and they're, they're, they're not using you uh, to take advantage of you, right? There's no way to verify that besides just other people saying they use them too, right? But with a blockchain, you can verify all of that yourself. Everything is, everything is verifiable. Everything is traceable. Everything is public. It's beautiful. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at, and I'm just looking like the past 90 days, because this is when I've heard the term inflation more than any other <laughs> yeah. in my life. Um, I, I mean, it, everyone basically took a 5% haircut in 2020 off their salary. So you take your regular nine to five, imagine that it lost 5% because that's how much of your buying power was taken away. And then you look at the fact that now we're in this global trade debacle where we're aggressive towards China, but we're also not. We're aggressive towards, um, you know, tariffs, but we're also not. It, it's this weird situation where not only did inflation hit the value of things, but the value of things, I would argue, also just went up as a result of it. So you add the inflation to it, and that was obviously going to increase the price of certain goods and services. But then they also just went ahead and added to the cost effectively. And now everything is more expensive than, than I've ever seen it before. And, um, I, I mean, just, just a regular bottle of Powerade I bought the other day. Mm. Like, that was 219 And I'm looking at this. It used like, to be 10 for 10. I know. I'm like, this is <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Like, what is this? I, I almost felt like the guy was screwing with me. But I'm like, no. Like, that is that is a 219 bottle of, of Powerade. But – 
you know, I'm looking at this and I, I've always, what, what I love, what I love about crypto is it really is an offshore bank account for your money. Like nobody, nobody has access to it. Mm-hmm. And in a world where we're, there's a Marxist term. And I actually think this one Marxist theory holds some grounds, but it, it gets a very fundamental issue wrong. It's called um, post-capitalism. And basically what it implies, and they, they took it as market factors or what did this, basically greedy capitalists have basically eliminated the middle class. And what you have is such a wealth discrepancy that you have a super mega rich upper class, and then you have basically the consumer worker labor class, which is extremely destitute. And um, they, they basically say, oh, it's the fault of the capitalists, the money changers and everything else. I, I would argue that, especially seeing it in, in Northern Virginia where I lived for so long, I could almost argue that I was witnessing a post-capitalist state. Now, it wasn't because of the market. It was entirely because of the government. Amazon gets subsidies. Amazon gets tax Mm -hmm. breaks to build HQ2. All the defense contractors do. It becomes extremely nice if you're going to work remote and you're in one of these cushy tech jobs that are usually tied to the federal government. But if you were just a regular person, primarily like a millennial college graduate, you're working multiple jobs for terrible wages that were being inflated constantly and you didn't have additional streams of income because everything was just going towards your daily cost of living. And, you know, the the middle class in Northern Virginia and Southern Maryland has been shrinking for years. And the past uh, year and a half, especially because of COVID and everything else, um, the, the middle class is hurt like never before. And I'm witnessing this. I'm like, if this is how it is in the nice East Coast, I can only imagine what it's like in the rest of the country. And the only thing that Bitcoin guarantees is that your money is your money. And, and when people are like, oh, look at the cost of Bitcoin, it, it's constantly moving up and down. I'm like, that's not a reflection of Bitcoin's worth. That's a reflection of the dollar's worth. Yes, yes. I've been saying that a lot lately because every single crypto you're looking at on a chart, it's not just the value of the crypto is measured in dollars. Every single one of them. It's BTC slash usd and people are so afraid of crypto because it's volatile but what it it's 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 not that it's necessarily necessarily volatile it's that what it's measured against is volatile the dollar is going nuts right now we've just printed more money than we've ever printed in history (laughs) no wonder everything's all the other currencies are at all-time highs Bitcoin's not Bitcoin's not printing more bitcoins than they've ever printed in history but the dollar is the dollar is what's losing value so fast and why you see these moons like you hear about it all the time on on social media to the moon that's the that's the mantra right <laughs> it, it it's it's because the dollar is crashing and burning and everyone is lo- everybody's dollars in their pocket is losing value but if you have a a, a savings account with cryptocurrency you're not you're not being affected by that inflation. It is a protection against that. That 5% I gained. <laughs> you, people with a bank account that had cash lost that 5%. People that had a, a, a savings account with Bitcoin, they gained that 5%. I, I've had some folks on in the past talk about crypto who are almost exclusively Bitcoin maximalists. Are you a Bitcoin maximalist or do you also jump into other crypto. I, I kind of know the answer, but I, I, I want other people to understand this because I feel like it's in one of two camps. And I, I equate the cryptocurrency enthusiast community kind of like cults. It's sometimes more personality driven than it is reason driven, but at least they always have a reason for why. Yeah. Um, so Bitcoin, I look at Bitcoin like gold, um, like a store of value. It's very safe. Um, it's it's uh it has a lot of money in it. It's not going anywhere. Um, that being said, I own almost no Bitcoin. Um, I am all in altcoins. Um, I uh, so altcoin. Why I like altcoins is because most of them are developed for a specific purpose, um, a, f- a specific market function. Um, 
that makes them more valuable to me. Um, I can go through many examples, but there are blockchains like VeChain that's made for logistics industries. So like, I feel like you you investing in VeChain is you investing in the future of blockchain technology for, for package tracking and logistics management, which is a billion dollar industry, right? And if, and if blockchain technology can cut down the costs on that, it, I mean, it'll be massive adoption across that industry. So things like that. Um, uh, I... Uh, it's kind of been generational Bitcoin, obviously being first generation of a blockchain, um, Ethereum kind of being the second, uh, it's smart. It can do a lot of things, but it's quite expensive to use. And then you have these third generation black blockchains that solve that problem as well that Ethereum has of being expensive. Um, so, uh, like, Borrowing and by, lending by platforms, you're talking like about like the, the gas fees on yes to company. use to use it. Um, if, if I have a thousand United States dollars worth of Ethereum and I trade it, I only have nine hundred dollars of Ethereum now. Like that's how much they charge you to move and use Ethereum. But Ethereum has all kinds of platforms built on it. DeFi, which is like uh, uh, borrowing and lending platforms without uh, without an intermediary like a bank. It's uh, totally decentralized. Um, so those, those kind of platforms are really good, but then they're expensive to use. So the competing blockchains come out and they're like, oh, we can do this at a fraction of the cost. We can we can speed up block times and make them cheaper, um, and and solve those problems. And so they use Ethereum. They use their Ethereum is also not going anywhere. <laughs> um, it's always going to be huge. Most a, a lot of blockchains are built off of Ethereum and actually use it as as a second layer, right? Um, because everything is built on it. All the smart contracts, all of these lending platforms, all of these applications. There's so many. things things that the blockchain chain can do. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, uh, like one of the things I was thinking for uh, helping, helping uh, like uh, in, in uh, developing countries is like a lot, like, uh, like I, I was saying earlier, like a, a lot of people don't have access to an ID or a way to identify themselves. Like 20% of the world don't have any documents, no, no ID, no, nothing. And, and so it limits their ability to use like regular things like banks um, and even even can restrict access to like basic human rights like voting and, and health care and school and traveling out of the country, things like that. Right. Well, even at like a more <laughs> basic level, like, you know, in the United States, we almost take access to credit and loans for granted. Yeah. Like in most in most of the developing world, this idea of being able to have access to a credit card. It's not as easy as we just wake up and it shows up in the mail one day and instantly you have access to credit. Right. Anyone, anyone. Uh, it, that's the great thing about blockchain is that the blockchain doesn't care who you are. The, it, it doesn't care who you are. You don't need a social security number to prove your credit score is good enough. You don't need um, approval from a bank. You don't need a co-signer. You just need yourself and your assets and your digital assets. And anyone can go and and get a crypto loan. You, anyone. Um, there's n- no restrictions on it. It, it is completely open and you don't and, need and any kind no of middleman. There's no collateral for that, is there? Yeah. That's how you get the loan. Okay. So you take your digital assets that you already own and you you collateralize it and they'll give you more. Okay. And then that's a contract. That's that's the smart contract on the blockchain that you've signed. But there's no person you're signing it with or company you're signing it with or that you owe, right? You just can't get your collateral back until you pay the loan back. It's very simple. And so because of that, it, it doesn't care who you are. It only cares what assets you have. And it's fair. It's a, it's a equality, right? There, it's not like, hey, you have a better credit score and you've done better um, with, with uh, managing your Discover card. So you're going to get a better rate on your house than the poorer person that wants to buy a house next to you that has a bad credit score, right? And they use that to create inequality in our market now because the uh, and it's because they can't verify your trust trustworthiness, right? They try to do it with a credit score, etc. But on a blockchain, it is totally verifiable. See, when when if you start to default on your on your crypto loan, 
arbitrators can come in and buy your crypto for a discount. And then they can find profit in that, in that, in that, in that action. Right. So it's just, it's just, it, 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 for, for poorer and less well-off people, like it really makes their lives better, expands their opportunities. Like you just, I mean, even if it's a hundred dollars, you go on to it with a hundred dollars, you can leave with $300 and now you can maybe start a business or something like, I mean, in small countries, $300 is a lot of money. Like, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing what you can do without, um, any verif like any verification of your identity or anything like that. Um, just, just the trusting of the network, the, the idea that there are, the network is made of hundreds and thousands of computers and people in a community, and there's no way that someone could hack them all and take it over. So it's, it's just, you can trust it. And you can read it and you can verify. Yeah, 2021 was the first year where I actually started accepting crypto as a full form of payment for individuals Smart man. I work with. And, um, you know, I, I, I accept basically everything but Doge and maybe we can mm. get into that in a bit. But, you know, <laughs> they're, they're paying me in Bitcoin and I like it. Some have paid me in Litecoin. I do a lot of Litecoin and Dash transactions. And going back to what you said about not owning Bitcoin and Bitcoin being gold, um, you know, I think for, for many reasons, a lot of people have fallen. I'm not saying this was what you were saying. I'm just saying this generally. Yeah. Like uh, Michael Saylor, for example, you know, he's like, uh, crypto, I'm sorry, Bitcoin is a security. I'm like, well, you're, you're only saying crypto is a security because you want to be on the positive end of the regulation that comes because Bitcoin mm-hmm. is, and all crypto is being treated as a security. But for the most part, you know, like it, it is gold. And that is the, the stuff that I'm never selling. I mean, you know, I'm not even really thinking about is like diamond diamond handing it. I'm thinking of it like, this is my like, you know, fuck it fund. This is my doomsday fund. Like if things go bad, then maybe I'll sell my Bitcoin, but this is the only insurance that I will always have some degree of wealth to my name, regardless as to how small or big it is, that doesn't change. And and then with, uh, with other cryptocurrencies, like I mentioned, Litecoin and Dash, like I do see that as the next evolution of Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin, Mm -hmm. because of its speed, because of its transfer rates and everything else, I think Bitcoin failed as cash. And, and that's what I really want. I want digital cash. I want instant payments for, you know, that are as fast yeah. as possible for lower fees. And I think Litecoin and cash are some of my favorites. Yeah. That's that. why you like Dash because that's, that's Dash's whole thing that it's solving is, is digital payments quickly and, and, and settling instantly. Yeah. And I know some people don't like Dash because they're like, oh, Dash is too centralized and everything else. But at the end of the day, like if the product freaking works, I could really care less about the rest of it. Yep. And, um, I'm I'm curious. Like, do you do regular investing still? Right, you still do yeah. traditional investing. I, I feel yep. like right now I have like a I'm, regular 401k and stocks and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I have friends who are around my age who started getting into crypto when when Dogecoin was was um uh sorry, someone tried calling me uh when, when Dogecoin was something that Elon was really pumping. And now they're into yeah. Shiba Inu and stuff like yeah. that. What they've basically done is they, they've done what I think is one of the dumbest things to do. They stopped investing. They, they stopped contributing to their Roths. They stopped saving cash. And these were people that didn't even have a basic emergency fund. And now they've gone almost absolutist on crypto. But they're not even doing it because they really like it. They see it as a pump and dump scheme. Yeah. My thing with them is like, you know, on the best case scenario, you have to pay a ton in taxes. On the worst case scenario, you just lost a ton of your money. What, yeah. what do you what do you think when you hear about people like that? Because I see that, and I'm just like, you're gonna you're gonna burn yourself out. You're gonna do what I did in 2018 when I tried day trading crypto, and I lost more money than I've ever really been able to touch. You know, um, pump and dumps are interesting because what happens is that these people get get these meme coins, right, and then they they go and they spread these words, like posts, uh, you, you're, you're missing out and create all this FOMO, you know, like I've made this much money off my Dogecoin or my Shibas. And then um, they, they try to FOMO other people in, right? And that their idea is that they've, they, uh, they bought it lower, they bought it early, and then they get all their friends or all these people in their communities on Discord to buy this coin at, at its highest price and, and pump the price up higher. And then what these people that bought it early do is they sell it. They make money and then it 
the price crashes. And, and then when the price crashes, the dump happens, the people that bought it at the top, that got tricked in, that got FOMO'd in, now they're, they've lost money, right? But they don't, they don't lose money until they sell it is what they tell themselves. So they just hold it and they diamond hands. And that's, that's where that whole thing is, right? So they're like, oh yeah, oh, I haven't, I, I'm down, but I haven't sold yet. So I haven't lost anything. And then they, then the cycle repeats. And then those people that are down, they go and they FOMO all their friends and, and all their communities into buying it to pump the price up so they can get out of what of their bad investment. And then those people, it's just a cycle that starts over and over and over again. And that's what happens with these things. People get trapped and they put all of their money into something and then someone else takes advantage of it. And, and it, it, it is a problem of like, it, it's a, it's a pain point of a free market, like people taking advantage of you and, 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 and thinking of ways to, um, uh, to, uh, <sighs> encourage you like uh um like the jones effect like telling all your friends are doing it you know like like if you don't do it now you're gonna miss out you know it's just like all those kind of impulses that's the word i'm looking for they're trying to impulse people into doing this bad decision because they made the bad decision earlier and they want they want to uh not feel like they made that bad decision right and not get stuck with that so it's this endless cycle and i it, it's really easy um, to to educate yourself on these things. Actually, um, there are there's tons of resources. There's tons of communities that you can join and talk with people and and learn about cryptocurrencies and all because there's thousands of different ones, thousands and thousands of different blockchains, right? Um, and some are great, and some are literally a meme. They don't do anything. And that's why I was like talking earlier, like about VeChain or, or Solana, for example, the it's the big NFT marketplace now. And um, these... I, I don't I don't know how I feel about NFTs. <laughs> we can talk about that too. But yeah, the, these 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 blockchains are created for a purpose. They have a market, they solve a problem, whatever. But then uh, like these, like like what does Shiba solve? What does Shiba do for you, Rimzo? It's a Chuck E. Cheese token. It, it doesn't do anything. It's a meme. It's it's someone that you like likes it and they pump it up and there there's no purpose behind it. There's no like man. Maybe you can say you can use it as a currency and trade it, but you can do that with any of them. It doesn't solve a problem that wasn't already solved, right? Yeah. Um, that that's what I see. So you, if you do your research before you buy things, just like you should with stocks. You shouldn't buy stocks in a company you don't know anything about. You, you shouldn't buy cryptocurrencies that you don't know anything about. You do the research, you figure it out, uh, and, and, and you buy things that, that just make smart decisions, is all I can say. And the, it, the information's out there. That's, the, that's why it's like, yeah, it's a free market and there are pains that come with that. But if, you're, if you educate yourself and make good decisions, you can make money you can make your life better because of that. I got, I got called a boomer recently by a friend of mine. Who's really into Doge and Shibu because, <laughs> uh, because I bought, I bought some, I bought some silver, physical silver. And, uh, the reason why I did that was because I, I have this real big, almost, um, you know, psychotic fear of another series of lockdowns. Mm. And what what happens to us this time is almost what happens to Greece. They start limiting our access to cash. We already saw, you know, the war on cash really get accelerated the last year. I love cash. People don't like cash. I like cash. But, you know, we, we have the coin shortage still going on and stuff. So my thing was like, you know, uh, I could hold cash, physical cash. I could just go and start withdrawing like a few hundred dollars a week. But that that's a big that that's almost a bigger risk than if I go ahead and I buy I buy silver. Because my big thing is like, what happens immediately when there's a recession? If I need access to cash, I don't want to go ahead and carry a ton of cash in like an envelope or my wallet or something. I can go ahead and carry a good amount of silver or gold with me. But, you know, they, they go ahead and they sell their shit or they pawn their shit to pawn shops. My thing is like when that level of recession, lockdown, shit show happens, the pawn shop is going to be my ATM. Mm-hmm. Because I might not, you know, I'm not going to make more money by selling my silver. I'll be lucky if I get near the, the spot price of it. But silver mostly retains its value, even more so than gold. That's why Warren Buffett doesn't own gold. He owns silver because silver could actually be used for things. So, like, I, I own a bit of silver. Um, and, yeah, you know, smart. When, and when it, when it comes to things like that, 
Um, you know, like I, I, I call Doge and all these other tokens Chuck E. Cheese tokens because, I mean, they failed the law that uh, Vitalik Buterin went ahead and set when he was talking about what makes something prime crypto, which is, is it inflationary? Is it decentralized? Is it private? And Doge and all these others basically fail at all of those things. And I look at it and I'm like, you're not making crypto better. You're just making everything fucking worse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's my issues with NFTs. Now, I understand what NFTs are. People, each time I talk shit about them, people are like, oh, no, you don't understand it, bro. And I'm like, no, I perfectly understand it. I will never buy a fucking NFT. <laughs> I, I, th- I think those things are fucking stupid. And the fact that people are willing to pay Jake Paul like 10 Ether coins to go ahead and buy a fucking monkey NFT <laughs> that I can fucking screenshot on my phone. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? You're just giving Jake Paul more of your money. It, it's Jesus Christ. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I respect the hustle. I want to take money from dumb people too. That doesn't mean I'm not going to call it stupid. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you there. I mean, the values of them are just are, are getting kind of crazy. My, uh, my friend Andrew Meyer is the uh, Don't Taste Me Bro guy. Yeah, from from Florida, um, who got tased when he went ahead and pissed off John Kerry in like 2004, 2005. And he uh, he sent me a link to some NFT marketplace. He's like, Remzo, I'm selling uh, my Don't Tase Me Bro NFT for three Ether tokens or Ether coins. What, what, three Ether. And I'm yeah. like, someone's going to pay for this? I just pulled you off on the, on, on the freaking GIF app. Why would I pay you for this, man? It's twelve thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. like, it, 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 it's it's kind of crazy. You see the new one they're doing now is uh, you can buy virtual uh, virtual land. Is that like buying space on the moon or like stars? <laughs> no, they have this video game basically, and it's a giant planet, and and you you can buy a plot of land, but you don't get to pick the land; it's random. So you 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 buy the land, and they give you this random plot of land, and the land could be just grass and nothing there. It could be like super rare and have a rainbow and a, and a mountain and like uh, it. it so depending on the rarity, how much your land is worth, then you can you can uh, charge gamers to come and visit your land and charge an entry fee. You can sell your land and uh, make. I, I saw plots of land for sale for thirty thousand dollars, like, like a fifteen it, year mortgage. <laughs> it, Bethy, I know it's like real. It's it, it's it's kind of just mind blowing to me the the market that is is blowing up right now um because and that's where mo- a lot of it is is on that solana token and if you look at the history of solana it didn't it, it wasn't even nobody even knew what it was a year ago and now it's it's a top five top 10 coin right now um it is insane the the amount of money that's pumping into digital pictures that you can own online <laughs> i uh, i i just see dollar signs though i i am not a i am not a nft collector at all i i'm i mean i do collect hat pins but i've never really been much of a collector it, it really at all um but so it, it doesn't attract me like i don't i never had like pokemon card binders and stuff like i didn't keep anything like that i just i got pokemon cards to play with them and beat my friends that was what oh, i it's, did it's like me comic books. i have <laughs> i didn't I've, collect oh, them yeah I, i've never bought a comic book expecting to flip it and yeah you like, read you them know, right yeah like i i keep them and sometimes i'll sell them give them away because i have too many but where's that money go that money just goes back into comic books yeah Wait, that, well, that's what people are doing with NFTs. They'll 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 mint. They'll it's called minting. They'll mint that land. They'll make that land. They'll pay a thousand dollars for it, whatever, and then they re- magically get the thirty thousand dollar plot of land, right? And then they're like, "Oh, cool, I'll flip it." And then they go and sell it. Then they use that thirty grand to buy thirty more plots of land and do it all over again. And it's just it's just ballooning. It's it's kind of insane. It's it's really uh, interesting. Like just things shit that happens in a free market you know (laughs) it doesn't always make sense (laughs) yeah i mean this is really no different than like in-app purchases like i I remember my parents thought i was a moron when i got batman arkham asylum and i'm like i need 20 dollars to put towards batman and my parents are like why and they're like because i need to buy all these costumes 
Because uh-huh. I want to play as Adam West in Batman Arkham Asylum. And they're like, that, that's such a waste of money. But now it's like this, the, what they're trying to basically sell is it's, they're basically trying to sell exclusivity. Yeah. Because those NFTs exist on the Ethereum blockchain. And if anyone ever wants to use it for any type of monetary purpose, like in a movie or a photo or something, that basically gives royalties. So mm-hmm. I could definitely see this for like musicians, artists. Mm-hmm. I, to- I, I get that. That actually does make sense. But there are already things out there that do protect it. There are royalty, um, you know, protecting sites. I mean, that's that's how Getty Images and Shutterstock. That's how all these other places that sell, um, you know, license-free music and stuff like that. Like you're buying the true. Access to it. But 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 it goes back to that trust and verify. You have to trust that that organization I'm not with the MP3 your three to a friend. Right. Yeah. You have to trust that organization you're giving your property to that they're going to protect it and not abuse that and use your use your property to make money on a, on the blockchain. You don't have to trust anybody. You can verify everything. So you 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 can work with people you don't trust. And, and, and it, block, blockchain is going to help intellectual property big time. And it's, it's heading that way right now. The the whole the whole market is just that's kind of what this NFT thing is. It's a big experiment. <laughs> it's a big uh, it's. It, it's hey let's get developers working on this and see what we can come up with you know what what kind of platforms we can build um and to make this to solve these problems and and that is where it started was artists it was like i want to sell a digital painting but if i put it online everyone's going to copy and paste it right so they put it on the blockchain and then they can sell it to one person and then they can actually like you know make money off of their digital art that's the whole idea um, that that's why it started. Now <laughs> it's been developed into the into almost a gambling thing like that. Like you're, you know, like I said, you're getting you're buying a, a monkey and you don't know what the monkey's going to look like, and the monkey could be worthless or the monkey could make you rich. Like, but you're just rolling, and then you roll and you get a crappy monkey. Well, yeah, most Paul people twenty thousand dollars that you gave them. Yeah, and then most people when they don't get what they want on a gamble, what do they do? <laughs> They do it again. So then you got 20 monkeys and they're all worthless. And then you get that one. Like, you know, it's just, uh, it's a lot of it is a, a gambling thing right now. And I, I'm not into gambling. That's why I don't do meme coins. And like, I could, I could have made tons of money off Doge. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I could have. Oh, but you and I, I were talking, but before the show started, I, I got back from the, from the gas station and I was looking at uh, my, my, my bookie.com. I was fine. Yeah. Colby Covington. He's always pushing that. I'm like, you know, I, I've been accurate about the last couple title fights for boxing since like June. I could actually make a ton of money from this. And then I'm like, but wait a second. The moment I do that, I know that my winning streak is going to be over. Like <laughs> no one is ever that good for so long. It's the exact same for me in crypto. <laughs> I bought, I buy a coin. I hold it for a year. I'm like, finally like, man, this sucks. I'm, and I dump my coin and the minute I get rid of it whew, goes crazy. It's uh, it's, it's the same kind of luck with me. That's why I don't gamble. <laughs> I don't, I don't buy the meme coins because the minute I buy a meme coin, it's going to crash to zero. Like I, I just, I stay on good projects that solve m- real market problems that have good development teams um, but follow a guy on uh, YouTube called Invest Answers. He goes through a lot of cryptos and he has a, a very systematic approach to um, looking at all cryptos and, tell, and, and break down different things of why this may be or maybe not a good investment just based off of a lot of different variables. And he looks at those variables with all, the, all different cryptos. So um, I, I highly recommend him um, if you want to learn about like a, a lot of altcoins, like in the space that I'm in. Um, I, I uh, yeah, I, Ethereum and Zilliqa. I'll, I'll uh, tell you those are my those are my uh, my big bags. Ethereum. What 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 do you what do you prioritize more when you're looking for these altcoins? Do you do you prioritize you know quick transfer or do you prioritize you know, privacy. Hmm. Is there a specific thing that you look for? No, it's a, it's a, it's kind of like if you watch one of those invest answers videos, you'll, you'll know what I mean, but it's just a lot of different things. Um, it's not one specific thing. Um, all of all of those things you just said are important. The the uh, the team is important. The market cap is important. Um, you don't want to invest in uh, like I. 
I probably wouldn't invest in Solana right now. It just got to top five, right? So if it went from a hundredth to the top five in the last two months in market cap of all of the coins, how much further up can it go? Oh, well, I mean, it's like, like you with, know, with Shiba she- just hit top ten. Like, how much higher can you, Shiba really you know go? That, you know, that <laughs> Shiba actually just um, surpassed Deutsche Bank in terms of market cap. Wow! Like, I'm looking at that. I'm like, that's not fucking good because you know it's what, not sustainable because you know what deutsche bank has that sheep doesn't a product assets. yeah product <laughs> assets. like they they have cash producing assets they have physical assets like that's not like i saw that and people are like oh my god we we, we, we just did passed it deutsche bank and i'm like you guys are fucked get out now that's a giant red flag for me right there <laughs> you have to look at you you just have to look at the industry it's in like i that's why i see a lot of potential in v chain of where it's at right now is because of how big the market is of what problems it's trying to solve right like um zilica zilica is super fast and lightweight um and it uh they're they're building these DeFi platforms and uh, and and decentralized exchanges for you to trade without like a company or or a government involved in it, right? So you can trade cryptos um, with almost no fees. So like that that is a big benefit. So then they um, like you can look at things like that. They just had a, launched a bridge that allows you to move your Ethereum into Zilliqa, right? And I just told you how. Th- expensive ethereum is yeah. so i moved it in and now i can trade my ethereum yeah, that's why for I still, very that's why low I fees own, i that's why i still own ethereum classic yeah <laughs> i own i own way more ethereum and you were yeah and you were talking about ethereum. bitcoin not being able to be cash earlier like that's what bitcoin cash was for like yeah. because bitcoin failed at being a cat at being money it's a store of value but it's not good at spending um, I, I got a, one of those crypto credit cards that or debit cards that's like it'll link to your crypto wallet. And then when you swipe your your Visa card, it trades your crypto for cash and then pays the merchant. Right. So you can literally spend any crypto. But but if it's Bitcoin or Ethereum, you swipe it and it's like, yeah, that three dollar soda just cost me 30 bucks because <laughs> it's so expensive to move that type of crypto. It, 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 that's, that's that's what worry. these newer blockchains are solving those problems now, and that's that's we're we're just in an early adopter phase where these things are just getting built up, and we're witnessing this transformation right now. It's it's yeah. really great. That, that that's why, like you know, I know a lot of people hate Jack Dorsey, but it's like Jack Dorsey is going to bank more unbanked people than anyone in, in our lifetime. And I mean, I, I use Cash App primarily for, for the Bitcoin boost. But I am starting to see them struggle with it because it used to be you can get like 30% back in Bitcoin at any restaurant. Now it's 10%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at one point it used to be you can get 10% off for any coffee purchase. I'm sorry, 10% back in Bitcoin for any coffee purchase. And it used to actually be unlimited. And what I have found is that sometimes they do limit it. And what I realized when I saw this is like they're, they're, they're dealing with a scarce resource expecting that not enough people are going to use it. But it's also a marketing tool because they know they have the opportunity to. And then mm-hmm. what happened? A lot of people started using it. Mm-hmm. So I'm Same with at- Robinhood and all those people that bought Doge. And they, ne- I mean, Robinhood's just a private company. When you buy from a from a, a centralized exchange like that, they just have a handful of Doge, and then they sell it to you, right? Like, yeah. so when all of those thousands of people rushed on Robinhood to buy that, and they didn't have enough. They were like, oh, we better pause trading. We better, you know, stop people from withdrawing, you know, and then it created all of those problems and all that distrust. And that's why decentralization is the future. That that will never happen on that Zillica exchange I was talking about. There are pools, liquidity pools. They, they, they literally it will not happen because there's no company or person that holds a bag of them that you buy them from. It's a community. It's a it's a network of of different people and computers all doing it together, and 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 that that thing. A lot of things can be solved with decentralization. I think that's why I feel so libertarian about crypto is is because of a, this this technology just goes into a market and then boom, all these centralized centralized problems are are decentralized and fixed. It's it's going to be a, a. I'm really excited about the future as long as government stays out. <laughs> Got to keep government out of this. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's, that's why it's blowing up so fast. Is 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 because there's no regulations. There's not there's not 
government saying who picking and choosing the winners of these cryptos and telling like doge they can't exist because they're a meme like you know like that that like yes there are negatives that we have talked about to it but the positives far outweigh that in a free market yeah i i expect there to be more regulation a year from now than what we currently have i mean a lot of the regulation now is just unenforceable a lot of the sec stuff with the irs i mean you just can't like they don't have the enforcement mechanism but there's also That's, why, like, I, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a shareholder in Coinbase. Oh yeah, because it's like Coinbase has the most lobbyists. Me too. And it's like, you know, if I'm gonna bet on somebody to bend the government's ear on this, yep. Like, you know, you, you saw, you saw your coin. I bought after the IPO. I bought, I bought uh, Coinbase when it was uh, almost two thirty a share, and now I'm looking at it and I'm like. I am doing pretty fucking well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got some of that too. And you're right. Like if they get involved, they're going to like, like, uh, I, I really feel like that $600 bank account thing. Everyone's talking about that's, that's, that's because of crypto. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is at least moved at that proposal to 10 K 10 K 10 K that's better. but it still fucking sucks. Yeah, and it's going to it's going to catch those quick crypto withdrawals that they don't track right now and they they're unable to track from decentralized places cuz uh, I mean, at least uh, uh most people are going to have to trade it back into to fiat to use it. Um I mean, in America at least. Um I, hopefully we all get to El Salvador at some point <laughs> and we can all just trade it into Bitcoin and use that, but uh We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Chris, we, we got to wrap up. I do have one yeah. more question. Uh, about a year ago, I got some pushback. I did an episode called Re- X Reasons. I forgot the number of reasons, but like X Reasons Why You Should Not Buy Bitcoin. And oh. I, I said Bitcoin generically because people know that more than like cryptocurrency. But right. my, my big rules for buying crypto, because I do believe that people should buy crypto, the reasons why I said people should not buy crypto are this. I'd like to hear your thoughts. My big thing is I'm, I'm a big Dave Ramsey acolyte, but you know I, I, still, I still have a credit card and stuff like that. I, I own single stocks. Um, so Dave would be disappointed with me. But my <laughs> thing is like you should not buy Bitcoin if you have debt. If you have consumer debt, you should clear your debt before you buy Bitcoin. Secondly, I think that you should have you know a six-month reserve of actual cash for quick access when life happens because life happens. That's why we call it a rainy day fund, not for if it will rain one day because you know it will rain one day. And third, um, and and there may have been other reasons, but these are just like the big ones. I'm like, I I think that if you're a regular person who only has one source of income through their nine to five job, I think the most responsible thing you could do is set up another stream of either active or passive income and then use all of that money to put into crypto or other investments. Because my thing is like, once you buy your crypto, unless you're buying like Dash or Litecoin because you know you're going to use it for a transaction. If let's say you're just buying like Bitcoin, for example, the worst mistake you could make is sell your Bitcoin because you have an, you have a bill you have to pay. Right. A, yeah. You know, a hospital bill, a cable bill. You know, it's like when people sell their stocks because they didn't have a savings account or something <sighs> like that. If you're going to buy, you know, stuff like Bitcoin specifically, you should put that money away as if you've already lost it. Yeah. I was actually about to say like if if all of my all of the crypto if they shut it down tomorrow and it was no longer there, it didn't exist anymore, could never pull it out again, whatever for any reason, like I w- I would be all right. Uh, all of that money in in crypto is it, it's not money that I uh, that I need to live off of. I have, I, it, it sh- and it should never be. That's, that's, that is a scary thing about all the FOMO and things with the pump and dumps is that you put money in there you need, and then you, you go down. That's, that is, that can, that's very stressful. Oh, that's, especially that's, if they're borrowing on leverage. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's you lose scary everything. when you do that for <laughs> stocks. It's scarier when you're doing that for crypto. Yeah. And you can lose it all really fast. I'm not a gambler like that. Um, but um, you, you mentioned other streams of income. I look at, okay. So I look at crypto as my savings account. I can, I can very quickly, um, well, relatively very quickly move, sell, sell crypto and, and, and make a large purchase or, or whatever I need to do. Um, if I need that extra money, right. I, it, it's not locked up and unavailable. Um, I, that's why I look at it as a savings account. 
I, I can move that money if I need to. It's not stuck there. Now, that being said, you were talking about second streams of income and how to invest in, in, and use that money to invest in crypto. I think that's a great idea. One way you can have a second stream of income is to take that savings account and put it in crypto. And then you, I, there are many, many cryptos and blockchains that give you interest for staking. Oh, Cardano's um, it, giving me 5% APY. Yes. I've been in Cardano all year getting 5%. Haven't touched it. Literally put it in at the beginning of the year. Haven't touched it every t- every month. 5% just goes right back in and, and it reinvests automatically, goes right back in and staking 5% more next month, five, just growing on its own. Uh, you don't get that in a traditional savings account for a bank. You, you don't, you, some of them even charge you to have the bank account there. You don't not get any kind of like, if you get interest, it's, it's a pennies and you're like, you laugh when you get the interest thing in your, in your savings account. Cause it says 13 cents, <laughs> you know, you got 13 cents this month from your bank. That crypto is a, is a great way to, to create that second source of income and not for yourself, not for your, you know, bills and everything, but for, for compounding and for, for building, for building that portfolio on its own. You, if you get, if you can save some money and get it in there it, over time, it will grow itself. Zillic, Zillic is 15%, Remso, 15% APY. You should get into that. Damn. <laughs> I, like, I have been in that all year, and, and it's just great. Like, there are so many different ways to make money off of your money. Um, so use that. to. I, I rarely take my check from my day job and say, oh, okay, I got a few extra hundred dollars here. Let's throw it in crypto. Like, no. I had to take the crypto I have, and I use that to make more crypto. Right. So what, what at first, yes, you'll have to build a savings account and, and save up some money and get it over there. But once you do use that money to work for you, use, put that money to work. You got an extra computer laying around, throw, throw a miner on it and make it an extra ETH every year or something, you know, like there are lots of ways to, to, to grow, to grow your pile without taking your own cash from your job. So that's, that's why I look at it like a savings account because I, I it's, it's compounding interest way faster than any savings account I've ever had in my life. And, and that's why you don't want to sell it. That's why you don't want to use it to pay your bills. You want to keep it compounding because the more money you have in there, the faster it's going to grow. That's freaking crazy. I got to look into Zilka. Yeah. Like I, I staked into a uh, Ethereum too recently. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then I, I was, I was staking uh USDC, but I'm, I'm worried that, and we're already seeing this now, a lot of the lending practices that Coinbase was doing, uh, the government wanted to turn Coinbase basically into a bank. And while they still offer stuff on USDC, you're seeing a lot of targeting of those fiat pegged tokens, um, like Tether and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm no longer, I'm no longer holding USDC, but like, you know, with Ethereum too, because that's that's different. It's not lending. It's not anything like that. That's fine. I have a stake there. Um, I have a little bit staked in Cardano. I'm probably going to keep doing that for a while, but I got to definitely check out Zillica. Chris, uh, thank you so much. It's always like an advanced class when I hear you talk about crypto. You've done it over on the Chris Spangle Show. Uh, we'll have to have you back on again. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Folks, if you want to go ahead and do your homie a favor, please go across Al Gore's amazing internet to wherever you're listening to the show and leave us a five-star reading interview for conversations like this and more. As always, be safe, be good.